Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. Thank you for joining us today, this unusual time of worship, but we appreciate you uh, uh, hanging with us and joining us in this uh, day of worship on the Lord's Day that's so special to us. Please open your Bibles or go to your devices to Hebrews chapter 12. That's where we are today as we deal with the cross of endurance. Uh, The cross of Christ means so much to us and it prompts us to such great ways of living. And we want to learn from this cross of Christ today. I want you to meet here Elizabeth Maiolo. Uh, She's Argentinian by birth. And when she was 28 years of age, she was living in Philadelphia. And she had a heart attack. There were no warnings about it at all. Uh, It stunned the doctors because when they studied her body, they couldn't find any reason why she should have a heart attack. So they suggested that she have open-heart surgery. And she certainly didn't want to do that. So what did she do? She started running. She ran on a tread, treadmill first, and then she jogged in her neighborhood, and then she, she actually joined the half marathon in New York City. And since then, she's run a, a great number of races, over 100 races she's run between, between that age 28 and now. She, we might say she was running for her life. Now, usually when we use that term, it's about running away from something. But she was running toward life. And you know what? That's what the cross of endurance is for us. When we come to Jesus Christ, why do we do that? We are running for our lives. And when we run to Jesus, we are running to life because we're running to the one who is life. Now, we come to our text today. And this text, this, this book of Hebrews, is written to a people who are really struggling. They are suffering They're suffering for Christ, and they don't get it. They don't understand it. Uh, And basically their question is, if God loves us so much, why do we have to go through this? Why are we suffering like this? And maybe you've asked the same question. You know, I read my Bible. I go to worship service on the Lord's Day. I am serving, and yet I seem to be dealing with these issues in life. Maybe Maybe they're ongoing issues. Uh, but, and you never seem to have a, a free time where you are not just encumbered by something. And sometimes we find ourselves asking that question, why am I going through this? Well, this text comes as an encouragement to us. It even says, it, says in it, consider him who endured such hardship. And so when we come to this text, it's right at the end of chapter 11. And probably on your printed page, you'll, you'll see there, that chapter 11 flows right into chapter 12 without a break because it begins with the word therefore. It's building on all these, all these giants of faith. They weren't perfect people. They weren't flawless. They had scars. They didn't do everything right in the right way, but nevertheless, they were found faithful and God honors them in the page of scripture. They come as an encouragement to us. So this is what our text says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, 
For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Well, there's sometimes we share a common burden, like we do in this season of dealing with the virus and all the, the change of life we're having to deal with right now. And usually, our, our struggles are very different from one another. But, but regardless of, this, of the station in life, regardless of what's happening in our lives right now, I want to give you these four words to encourage you to endure as we follow Christ. First of all is the word divest. Now, that word's not in the text, but you see there's a two-word phrase that says, throw off. Now this, I will try to put this thing on, this is a weighted vest. It's a weighted vest. Sometimes you'll see a, a runner wear one or somebody at the gym uh, with a treadmill have it on. This one is a 20-pound uh, weighted vest. And so they will use it in training, and then when they come to the day of the race, they'll take it off. They divest themselves of it so that they feel lighter and they can uh, run a little more freely and better and swiftly. And so what the writer is saying here is when we run this race that is before us, that we have to divest ourselves, divest, take the vest off, take, divest ourselves, first of all, of sins. Sins easily entangle us. And whatever age you are and watching today, there are temptations around us, and sometimes we fall prey to them easily if we're not careful. Uh, if you're in elementary school, there are kids around you that tempt you to join them in something you know isn't right. If you're in middle school or high school, the, the, the level of your temptations are different, and uh, you can be sheltered for a while, but suddenly you're surrounded by, by these temptations that, we're, that Satan wants to use to take you under. As adults, we deal with a different level of, of, uh, of temptations. There's no stage of life where we aren't tempted in, to some degree. And so those entangle us. He says, be, be careful. Get rid of those sins that entangle us and trip you up. Uh, second, he says, get rid of the hindrances. Hindrances. Hindrances aren't necessarily sins. They're just things that distract us. They're good things. Hobbies, uh, pastimes, a dream, a goal, a friendship, uh, entertainment, uh, any number of things that are not, are not bad things at all, they just consume us so much that they, they drown out the voice of God or they, they take our eyes, they distract us on the, on the things that are most important in our lives. Divest. Here's a little clip of a, a Venus flytrap. You know, they, they are such intriguing uh, plants and that uh, they know exactly. Here, here's a you see this fly and this frog, and they just they get in there. And the, the Venus flytrap doesn't close up quickly immediately. As soon as it senses something, it waits. It's able to count, and it knows how many how many uh, synth, how many times to sense something before it, it grabs us. And what draws this fly in or the frog, as we saw, is the the sweetness of the nectar. That that's. Life is filled with sweet nectars, and we have to be careful of those. Some of them are evil, some of them are good, but they, they, they distract us. We have to be careful so that we divest so we can run better. The second word I want to give you today is fix. Fix. Even when our eyes are closed, 
We're fixed on something. Because when the Bible uses the word that we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, it's really talking about the heart. Our heart goes somewhere. Now, sadly, you know, if we're not careful, we let our imaginations go to the wrong thing. Right now, we are so preoccupied with this virus. If we're not careful, we can let our imaginations run wild and we start worrying about economics. We start worrying about our future. We start, we worry about touching anything. We worry, we we get consumed by worry. We get plagued by it. And we have to be careful about that. We're not going to let our imaginations, instead, we're going to let our imaginations be filled with him, with Christ. And the more we're in scripture, the more we're in prayer, the more we have spiritual conversations, the more we're together in community, that helps us fill our minds with just the grandness of who Jesus is. He's a great savior and a great Lord. And two words are used in our text to describe him. That the, the first one is pioneer. The second word one is perfecter. Now, instead of pioneer, I want to use the word author. Other translations use the word author, and I, I kind of like it better um, because Jesus, Jesus outshines, he, out, he outdoes any other religious leader. Um, the, the word here in the Greek for author is archegos. Ar- Archegos. And break it down, it's arch ego. He's our arch ego. He's our champion. Not queens, we are the champions, um, nor um, an Olympic champion. But the picture here comes from Roman Greek uh, mythology where a great god appears to take the poison, take the dart, to, to step in, to free the hostages. It becomes the grand hero. The picture to me is David when he goes on behalf of, of Israel, the nation, before Goliath. And he, he fells the great Goliath, the great giant. And when he wins, all Israel wins. And become, they become overcomers. So it is with Jesus. When he is our champion, when we fix our eyes on him, his win is our win. And that's why the cross of endurance is so valuable to us. He's also, it says, the perfecter of our faith. Um, the finisher. I like the word finisher that is also used in other translations sometimes. Because Jesus Christ, we relate to him in, a, in this grand way of being the one who completes us. He fulfills us. Uh, greater than in the case, for instance, of um, Muhammad, the religious leader of, of the Muslims, or Buddha, the religious leader of Buddhists, or Krishna, the religious leader of Hindus. They are all beginners. They are all authors. They, they will prompt a faith, but they don't complete it. You're on your own. You're sort of on probation after that. Jesus Christ for us is not only our author, but he's our finisher. He's the one that has gone to the nth degree for us. He completes us. This is what grace is all about, that he, he fulfills us in every way, in the way that we cannot live up to the holiness of God. He calls us holy. He calls us sanctified when we are washed, when we are sanctified, when we are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's what this is all about. That's why Paul can write in Romans 8, therefore there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not enough to see Jesus just as our example. He's our champion. He's the one who completes us. He, he finishes us. Uh, many of you know well the story of Charles Blondin, who's the first man to uh, walk across a tightrope 
over, over Niagara Falls. And he's asked later the, the secret to his being able to accomplish that. And he says that on either end of the falls, he paints a huge silver star. He says, I don't look at the water. I don't look at the rope. I just keep my eye on the star. We know the prophets call Jesus the bright and morning star. And as we fix our eyes on him and, and, and refuse to look at all the distractions, all the things that want to pull us aside, we put, fix our eyes on him, the author and finisher of our faith, we will do well. And God will cause us to, to be victorious and to endure through all of life's situations. The third word I want to give you is consider. I've given you the word divest, the word fix, and now the word consider. Consider. And before we consider what he's going to say, we want to consider the, <clears throat> consider the word consider. Because this word consider is where we get our English word analog. Um, now, this is an analog clock. We have digital clocks uh, that just show the time in numbers. This is an analog clock. It has a lot of moving parts. It has a, a moving minute hand and a second hand. The second hand moves in proportion to the minute hand. And so as Jesus is the pace setter, and he, as he suffered, so proportionally we suffer according to him who sets the pace for us. We keep our eyes on him, and he teaches us how to suffer well. That's the idea. It's also obviously where we get our word analogy. Um, analogy is a comparison like uh, last week Luke's sermon was as long as a dark Alaskan night. So that's an analogy. And so Jesus is, is our prompter and our lives are analogous to his. That when the world sees us, they see a picture of how Jesus lived his life and how he did well through all the, all the passageways of life and even all the kinds of suffering that he did. So that's what the picture is here of this word consider. And it says here that when it comes to the cross, he, 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 he faced the cross scorning its shame. In other words, he dismissed the pain of it. Now, how, how did he, how could he scorn its shame? How could he dismiss it? Well, in a couple of ways. First of all, the joy set before him, it says, the joy set before him is what helped him scorn its shame. The joy of his exaltation. He knew a time was coming when he would be at the right hand of the Father and he would be honored. He would be glorified. And so he kept his eyes on that. There was the joy of his reunion. He knew a time was coming when he was going to be returning to his father. There's a, an old Christmas carol we sing. It, the, 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 the carol is, "'Twas the birthday of a king." And there's a phrase in there that says, uh, "'Oh, how the angels sang,' referring to the night Jesus was born. Imagine the day that Jesus ascended to the Father and returned to his former position of glory. Imagine the worship service that must have happened that day uh, before the throne of God. What a day that was. Uh, the, the psalmist even writes, you will fill me with joy in your presence with the eternal pleasures at your right hand. That's Psalm 16. And what, what, that's that just a, sort of a, a future look uh, spoken prophetically about this day that Jesus would enjoy. And then there's joy of his authority. 
Jesus would be crowned with glory and honor and all things would be be put under his feet. Everything would be his footstool. Uh, Psalms 2 and 8 both speak of that. And then there's the joy of just you and me. He had us in view. He had you in view. He knew the joy that we would have in in finding redemption in, in his very work on the cross. What a savior. What, what a Lord. Why would any of us want to do anything less than our best for this one who died in our place? Many people encourage us, but no one encourages us like Jesus, the true trainer of our lives, the real pace setter of our lives, the one who endured all this, that we may have life. The fourth word I want to give you is the word run. Wouldn't it be nice if we could train and run like life were a treadmill? Then you could operate the speed and the incline level, um, the intensity. And when you had enough, you could just slow down or you could get off for a while or just walk and then run. You were in charge. Well, life's not like that, is it? We have little or no control over those kinds of things and Life is filled with twists and turns and surprises, all kinds of things along the way. There are two ways to run, the text says. It says, run the course. He says, let us run the race marked out for us. And everybody's course is different. All courses are different. My course is completely unique to my life. And your course is different from your life. But even even still... We run the race um, the the same way when we're following Jesus. When when somebody's getting ready to run a foot race, it's basically the same things. They They just operate differently. They make changes in their shoes or maybe the kinds of socks that are best for their feet. Their trainer will watch how their feet hits the ground and give them advice on how to do better, or, the, or the, the length of the stride, or perhaps the intensity of hitting the pavement. There are all kinds of ways, and little nuances, adjustments are made to run better all the time. And when we come together as community, when we're in the scripture, when we're in prayer, we're inviting the Holy Spirit, what are we doing? We're looking for more nuances little adaptations as we're learning and growing in wisdom and in, in, in all that God has for us so that we can run the course better all the time and finish well. Because uh, nuances make a difference. That's what, th- this is why Paul, he, he followed the course so well. It's why he wrote at the end of his life from prison, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, and I have kept the faith. And that's how we want to end as well. So run the course, run it well for him. For Jesus Christ. We're also to run with perseverance. That's what the text says. We persevere to the very end. You know, I don't know if you've paid much attention to the Boston Marathon, but I'm always so impressed by marathoners. And that's what life is. You know, it's, it's not a sprint, this Christian life. It's a marathon. Uh, steady, continual. And if, ever, if you know much about it, you know at about mile 13, a series of hills are before the runners. And the worst one comes at mile 19 when they hit the worst of all and they call it Heartbreak Hill. 
It's at that moment that their muscles are crying out for oxygen. They're in such pain, and they push through. Life is filled with heartbreak hills, disappointments, sadness, sorrows, things that seek to set us back. You may be having a heartbreak hill right now in your life of of any type, relationally, vocationally, economically, um, maybe physically. You may have a heartbreak hill right now. They come in all forms. But my brothers and sisters, keep pushing through. How can you keep, how can you do that? By keeping your eyes on Jesus. By keep, keep focusing on this cross on which our Savior died. The one who endured to the very end. This was his worst heartbreak hill of his ministry. And he didn't flag. He pushed forward. So he, back to Elizabeth Mulo. I mean, she's run race after race. She was interviewed one time, and she said, you know, when I run, uh, I think of one word, the word execute. It's a word that prompted her on to keep going. You know, I think that's a good word for us, too, because every day is a, is a day to execute. When we come to Jesus, we want to execute. In other words, we want to follow this commitment out to the very end. Whatever it looks like, whatever course is before us, we are going to execute this race well. So execute. But then we think of another place in time, a place of execution, where Jesus, the Son of God, and our Savior and Lord died. He was willing to be executed himself. He executed his ministry to take him to a place of execution, and nobody took his life away from him. He laid it down on his own that we may live. And that's why right now, when we share in these emblems together in this time of communion, we, we never grow weary. We never grow bored. We never, we, never, we never keep from doing this because receiving these emblems is a time of deep thanksgiving for us where we look at Jesus. We're tempted to just focus on our sins. Now, we may think of our sins, but that's not what we're focusing on. One thing we're focusing on is, is the life, the life that was laid down that we may live. So let's spend some time now just thanking the Lord that he has died in our place that we may have life. And may I say at this time, you know, if you have not been born again, please take care of this. This person, he, 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 has, he has set the course for us. He has died in our place, your place, that you may have life. There is none like him. So be reconciled to the Lord by being baptized into him. If you have done that, it's a time to remember and say thank you. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you. And we shall learn increasingly, Father, how to thank you more deeply by the lives we live, for the sacrifice that was made that we may have abundant life here and look forward to life with you forever. So even today, Father, help us to run well, fixing our gaze upon your Son, Jesus,
never turning from the right to the left, never leaving the course, but being found faithful to the very end. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior, our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.